The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. For the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. Hi guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo and joined once again by... The crusading Kyle Zinner. Kyle, before we get started... Um, I have a friend in the podcasting business that has asked us to play his new promo for his new uh, podcast. New promo so for his I'm new So I'm going to go ahead and throw that in right here. This is Shane Waters' new podcast. Hit it. What introduction did you have? Oh, I just had a little, you know me. Extra? A little. <laughs> Or are just people not enough sometimes? You never know. But our new podcast is called Mystery Incorporated. So I love a good theme and I love to run with a good theme. So I started off a little, hey, gang. You like that? Mm. This is the maiden voyage of our new podcast, Mystery Incorporated, the podcast where we will learn all about foul, rotten, and mysterious people, places, and things in our world. We are your host, my brother, Shane Waters, the host of Foul Play, and I am Joshua Waters, the host of Rotten to the Core and a queen with a fascination for the supernatural. If you enjoy talking about murder, aliens, shady mysteries, legends, and of course, the occasional tea, then Mystery Inc. is the podcast for you. Together, Josh and I travel in our mystery machine, Tesla, scouting out some of the world's best mysteries to share them here with you. On Mystery Inc., which can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so there you are. Please go check out Shane Waters' uh, new podcast. Uh, he's a good friend. He's also 
uh, was with Hillbilly Horror Stories as, uh, and as the first live show that I ever went and saw. So uh, go ahead and go support him. He's a good guy. Good pal. New podcast. Expect right. good things. So, Kyle, this is a, a, a movie that you picked, mm-hmm. um, as people will be able to tell. Uh, this is a cartoon animation of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. But, Kyle, before we get started, mm-hmm. I have a question. Interesting. But, uh, Kyle, who is your favorite Batman villain of all time? One or two? I'll let you do one or two of them. One or two of them. Okay. Favorite Batman villain of all time. Ah, oh, gosh. Um, who, um, hmm. Mm-hmm. You got you got me here. You got me here. Um, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. I, I think initially, um, probably my favorite actually right now is probably Harley Quinn. Right now, I think it's a, she's a great character. Um, originally, you know, made for the Batman animated series originally in 1991, and uh, has just blown up in a really great way, having her own series and really prevailing as a huge character. You know, originally just being Joker's little co-conspirator to now having her own shows, her own movies, and all that kind of cool stuff too. So probably Harley Quinn's probably my favorite Batman villain right now, even though she's more of a hero character at this point. Um, and then secondly, probably would then go right back to, uh, I feel like saying the Joker's cliche, so I'm going to actually right. say the, the Riddler. I mean, we all know the Joker is the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably the But, but I was thinking yeah. more of personal favorites. Personal favorites. Yeah, I, I think, um, and then a close second actually would be the Riddler for me, because I think Edward Nigma is such a, uh, a prevailing, like, pathetic character in many ways. He's such a great coward. Um, compared to all the other Batman's actual villains, where he's just a lot more pathetic. <laughs> like he's he's a guy who like I think like the second everything goes wrong, he grabs the gun, shoots off, and runs away and scurries about. Like he's he's like I kind of love just how kind of utterly sad and pathetic he is compared to other Batman villains who I feel like have some some form of like self worth in their own mind. Right. Where Riddler, he's just like oh you you just suck. <laughs> I, I think um, yeah. if I'm going with overall, uh, of course the Joker. I mean that's probably the number one villain of all time in, in any comic book series, DC, Marvel, whatever. He's certainly up there. But um, if I'm going with uh, somebody I found a new love for, it's probably the Penguin mm-hmm. uh, more recently in some of the video games I've played. And, uh, you know, just going back watching, like, Batman Returns and stuff, it really holds a special place in my heart. But if I'm going for the animated uh, series, I think the one that I like the most is uh, Scarface and the Ventriloquist. I always thought that they were pretty funny, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Because the yeah. one guy's just so meek and everything, but he puts that pub and on. And then all of a sudden he's just like the mob boss. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. Uh, so, Kyle, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year. This is our first episode of the new year. Yeah. New new Kyle, same old Jimbo. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> Brand new Kyle, same old Jimbo, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 2023. And this movie actually came out on Christmas. So it's like right on the same time table. This movie would have been, uh, uh, gosh, uh, 29 years old. Um, as wow, of just already? last December. Yeah. yeah so, you weren't even born yet, were you? No, I was born in 1993. I was, I was two months, I was two and a half months old when this movie came out. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's so easy for me to get the time now. 29 years, yeah. Um, so the 30 year anniversary would be this year, actually, next December. So that's pretty incredible there. Um, I was a. 
I was a, uh, let's see, a sophomore in high school, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Um, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, was released on December 25th of 1993. Um, director and writer, and those kind of listings are a little bit odd here, but I'm going to try and list them off as best I can. For the directors, we have Kevin Altier, um, Bob Kirkland, and Frank Perot, and Dan Reba. And then for the writers, we have Alan Burnett for the screenplay story adaptation, Paul Dina for the screenplay adaptation, Martin Pasca for the screenplay, Michael Reeves, and of course, the character was created by the legendary Bob Kane. Next up, we have the composer for the movie. We have Shirley Walker for the movie composed by, and I believe she also did a lot of work on the actual um, television show itself, of course. Next up here, we're going to the budget of the film. The budget was $6 million in 1993. Actually, a pretty impressive budget for a, a, an animated film. Addition uh, for inflation, that'd be worth about $12.4 million today. Opening weekend, though, not a huge success, or well, for the long term either, not a huge success at only um, $1.2 million. Addition for inflation, that'd be about $2.4 today. And then gross worldwide, it actually only made $5.6 million, coming $400,000 short of its initial budget just for inflation that'd be about 11.6 million dollars today so uh a bit of a flop a bit of a flop you know maybe that's maybe a little too harsh because like it made but i think back. i think it has a cult following now oh yeah yeah i'm sure in the long term like especially merchandising and just building the batman brand of course in the way it is now like yeah you know i remember the merchandise uh for this mm-hmm. and there was an action figure i believe it was a two-pack and i think it had the joker in it and it had the phantasm in it but it had the Phantasm without his helmet on, so it was a spoiler of who the Phantasm was before the movie. I think I had some of those too. Like I like not an action figure, but it was just like those plastic molds that can't really move at all. But right. I always tried to because I was a kid, and you just like you break the plastic molding on the character. But I had like the massive Phantasm with the helmet on and the hook hand, like yeah. the scythe kind of hand thing. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember like toys are so bad about spoiling movies. Like even like now, I remember like uh, I like. There's stuff for like the new um, Transformers movie, Rise of Beast, and like all those Transformer toys like are basically already revealed at Hasbro Inc. Also, it was like, oh, so I guess this character's in the film. I guess this character's Star in Wars die. is really bad about that stuff too. Oh, oh yeah, Star, yeah, yeah, all of the big brands even now, even like Marvel toy stuff. I think like they've sort of gone a long way to spoiling some character stuff. I think like Black Panther recently. Um, yeah. So. Let me ask you a question then. Yeah. Do you think? Social media has ruined the movie-going experience, or for as far as surprising and um, stuff like that, because no. it is very hard to keep yourself spoiler-free of going, let's say, the new Star Wars. We'll just mm-hmm. throw that out there. It's very hard, because like if Taco Bell or somebody like that uh, has a cup or something that you need to get, you know, because you're a collector, and then maybe something that is written on that, written on that cup, or a picture on that cup, or even... Even a, a trailer, let's say you're trying to say spoiler-free, but you just watch a TV and a commercial pops on real quick, and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? So I'm going to give a very strong no on that. I, I, I got, I've kind of like, I completely agree with you that all of those things, are they, they suck. I, I hate them too. But none of that is really different than it was even 40 or 30 years ago or 20 years ago. Where yeah, it's it like is because I don't Marketing have, spoils stuff all the way back then too. But I have it at the palm of my hand now. And you always did originally too. Like even no, like, you like, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like Terminator Two. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Like Terminator. You, was, you, you, you were uh, born around with a cell phone in your hand. Those of us that are of older generations, we didn't have. But a I cell still watch TV commercials, Jimbo. Are <laughs> you having the palm in your hand? Oh, it's so different from. Oh yeah, on the because couch now you're not on your phone day. while you were watching commercials. Exactly. <laughs> 
it's if it's worth it's marginal at best. But regardless, like movies have been spoiling their plots and trailers for since time and memoriam. And at the same time, too, like toys like that too. Toys can go to a store. Toys can get reported in magazines like that too. All say the exact same thing of spoiling plots and like ruining movies to those degrees at all. Um, I think what makes a lot of movies and TV shows worse is the idea of movie theaters still trying to have their overall secrecy and like trying to surprise you. That has hurt a lot of TV shows and movies, like especially like Game of Thrones, when like people find out what the twists are for the next season, all of a sudden they scramble and write totally different scenes or like twists that actually have no lead up following them because that's the only way they can surprise their audience. And it's like it does a mis- it does a disservice to the stories um, being told when it doesn't make sense leading up to them. Like oh no, now we have this random character saving the day because. It was the only character that wasn't in 90% of the fan projections. And I was like, oh, but that's so dumb. Why would you do that? So, like, for me, I think, like, um, that's the aspect that's hurt films and televisions is the internet of people, of them trying to fight the internet from revealing all these leaks. Um, because I think you can still be a responsible consumer on yourself. Like, if you're trying to find all those answers, of course you could find those answers. You could do it back then, and you can do it now. You can find a ton of those answers immediately for the next films leading up. Like, there was stuff, like, about uh, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame that you could get revealed in this plot stuff years before the movie even came out, <laughs> you know, and you could figure those things out. But most consumers just choose not to do that because they, they, they know to. They don't want to be spoiled with stuff either. You know, so they wait for the movie to come out, and that's fine. So I think, like, it's it's one of those things where just, like, if anything, it's just a new option for consumers. Like, for the people that want to know, they can dig in and find out. Not a big deal. And it's it's I think it's kind of dumb if filmmakers think it's they're responsible to make sure consumers can't ever find out. Because, like, no, it's like, people want to know. They want to know. They'll find out one way or another. And you need to just kind of embrace that fact rather than block it. Um, that's the problem with uh, film and television today. Uh, it, uh, one of the problems. So, no, I think um, internet's fine. To answer your question. I disagree we... with you on everything. <laughs> Jumbo, it's my podcast well, yeah, now. But yeah. You're wrong, but that's okay, Kyle. <laughs> I think we disagree. <laughs> Move on to the topics there. Um, gosh, where was I? <laughs> uh, we were talking about the budget and the flop. Oh, right? budget and the flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember, yes, yeah, so you're right, the toy did spoil the movie there a little bit. Yeah, but as it goes, that happens. Um, moving on here, I'm going to go to the plot summary of the film. Batman, the costume crime fighter who prowls the night skies in Gotham City, soon finds he's, there's another vigilante in town knocking off prominent mob figures. Despite the, sky, the, the scythe-like blade for a hand, a mechanical voice, and a cloud of smoke that follows the figure wherever it goes, the police and outraged officials mistake the homicidal crusader for Batman himself and demand the city's longtime hero be brought to justice. Yeah, that's something that you should. the police should have known. Batman doesn't kill. Yeah. This guy was killing... Well, I mean, Commissioner Gordon absolutely knows. Like, right. it's definitely not Batman. Like, you guys are him. all idiots. It's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's not him. <laughs> like, I like, I agree. It's another figure in black killing criminals. That's not Batman. <laughs> like, you just put. <laughs> well, let's see. They've mistaken him for this. They've mistaken what was a man bat for Batman too. Exactly. As a guy. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's great. Like general public having a misinterpretation. Like, I, that's the joke they're making. But like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, let me get back to my spot here. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Andrea Baymont, um, Baymont returns to town. She is the lost love of Bruce Wayne, the billionaire playboy who is Batman's alter ego and was an integral part of Wayne's decision 10 years earlier to don the cape and cow. Now she is back in his life and is no less disruption than the return of his old arch enemy, the Joker, who is at the, who has a stake in seeing the annihilation of his new vigilante, whoever it proves to be. 
Ooh, but I wonder what will happen. <laughs> wonder who it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Going on to some of the technical details of the film here. This is a 76-minute film, so a very short animated film overall. Um, not short for animated films. Like most animated films go for like maybe 90 minutes or like 85 minutes around there. So like a pretty average, but overall a, a short film. Um, color film aspect ratio was 1.33 for a television ratio, but it did have a theatrical ratio in the theaters for a 1.85 ratio for the film release. And that is the film you'll most likely see. On even on YouTube or you know modern televisions, you'll see the 1.85 release. It looks good. Ooh, moving on here, we have uh, I believe we have uh, only one reward nomination here, and it was for Warner Brothers Animations, and it did just uh, yeah Warner Brothers Studios. I don't have they actually have the award listed off here in the print. Oh, unfortunate. Okay, so it had one nomination for animation reward. I think I got it in my notes. Mm -hmm. We'll find it out here in a moment. Yeah. Um, next up here, we have the cast. We have the legendary Kevin Conroy voicing the voice of Batman. R.I.P. Just recently died last year, yep. late last year. Last November 10th, at the age of 66, he will be missed entirely. Yeah, um, he had the probably... You know, um, in respects, the definitive Batman portrayal for many years, since 1991 to now. Um, I believe his last role voicing Batman will actually appear in the upcoming um, um, Arcane Studios' uh, 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 Suicide Squad mm -hmm. um, video game. So that'll be interesting to see there. Um, yeah, all the wishes to, you know, any family members and anyone that cared about him in his life and, you know, all the fans, of course, you know, it was a terrible loss. Did you ever get to meet him at a convention? No, unfortunately I did not. I did not either, man. I wish I would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, by all accounts, he, you know, he, he made the most of his life. There's some, um, terrific stuff. Um, I'm going to make sure I'll take a note and make sure I have the day this gets posted to post some great videos about his life and, uh, his journey. And he went through a tremendous amount of struggle, um, early on in his life and throughout, uh, accomplish everything he did and uh really and you know really great story um so yeah but kevin conroy um you know uh, there's basically no other roles to really note he just was batman for you know 30 years <laughs> there's like a, f a few like one-off roles on like tv shows or you know small recurring characters for like six seasons or like six episodes on one show or something like that but um batman is the end-all be-all at the end of the day and uh absolutely well-deserved so there we go there. So Batman, you know, we think like The Killing Joke and all the other movies and, of course, the animated series from 1991 to uh, 96, I believe it was, the original years. Yeah. Um, so moving on, though, we're going to have uh, Dana Delaney playing Andrea Baymont. Um, Dana Delaney was also in the, the show China Beach from 1988 to 1991 and is currently uh, on the show Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone um, from ongoing from 2022 have you watched right any of that? Um, my dad's a huge fan of it I haven't really? watched it myself but uh, he's a, my dad's a huge fan of it so he's been watching a lot of that and I've been catching a little bit of like uh, snippets here and there whenever I go see him and uh, um, so it looks looks fun looks fun it's about a, 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 a mobster who basically goes to Canada I believe it is well we're told says uh arizona where's tulsa at oklahoma it's oklahoma tulsa oklahoma <laughs> this is kids this is why you stay at school <laughs> learn geography kids i don't know where tulsa is <laughs> tulsa united kingdom <laughs> tulsa united kingdom yeah Jeez, tulsa australia <laughs> the land down under oh, uh, no. yeah uh sorry to our oklahoma listeners <laughs> all two of you <laughs> Um, Tulsa King, though, looks like a good show. I might have to check it out sometime. I think it's on Paramount Plus now. Um, next up, we have Hart, um, Hart Boschner playing the character Arthur Reeves. Um, Hart Boschner was also in the films Die Hard in 1988 and Rich and Famous in 1981. Yeah, um, I'm speaking of other Christmas movies, Die Hard right there. Yeah, also, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, you had to go ahead and throw that in there. Exactly. Didn't you, couldn't, couldn't resist. Next up, we have Stanchi, Stacey Keach playing the character of Phantasm and Carl Baymont um, as the voice of uh, Stacey Keach Jr. Yeah. Oh, oh as, as Stacey Keach Jr. So his father was Stacey Keach, and he's Stacey Keach Jr. in the credits. Stacey Keach was also in the films Nebraska in 2013, and he was also in American History X in 1998. Next up, we have Abe Vigato playing the character of Salvatore Valestra. Abe Vigato was also in the film The Godfather in 1972. So definitely never had a typecast. I was like, I am a gangster role player. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm the actor you call when you want a gangster film. And 404 voice work. Next up, we have Dick Miller playing the character of Chucky Soul. Dick Miller was also in the film The Terminator in 1984 of James Cameron fame. Next up, we have John P. Ryan playing the character of Buzz Bronski. John P. Ryan was also in the film Runaway Train in 1985. Then we have Elfram Zimbalist Jr. playing the character of Alfred. Elfram Zimbalist Jr. was also in the film Wait Until Dark in 1967. Oh, worth noting too, um, a lot of the characters here are going to play characters who were um, recurring characters on the um, the Batman animated series, of course, too. This is just a, kind of a this movie is an extension of that animated show in its entirety, basically like that. Any of those characters playing, you know, Alfred or Batman. Same characters playing in the show. Just bringing it up there. So next up we have Bob Hastings playing Commissioner Gordon. Bob Hastings is also in the film The Poseidon Adventure in 1972 and the film Shadow Force. Next up we have Robert Costanza playing character of Detective Bullock. Um, Robert Costanza was also in the film Total Recall in 1990 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not a Tuma. <laughs> um, that's not the movie that was going to be Total Recall. What's one of the quotes of Total Recall? Got one, Jimbo? I can't remember. I All I remember about Total Recall is when he goes into that bar or whatever and there's that alien with the, the three, three breasts. breasts. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the only thing I remember. I, I was thinking like the old And then where he pulls the, 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 the thing out of, out of his nose. Yeah, it looks like yeah. a big old booger. For me, it's like when he got an old lady disguise and like his head came up and then he threw the old lady's head disguise and it blew up like a bomb. <laughs> Total Recall is a, a crazy movie. <laughs> we might have to cover that. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have the legendary Mark Hamill playing the voice of the Joker. Um, you know, Mark Hamill here is also like giving arguably one of the most definitive performance of the Joker entirely as well. You know, um, honestly, uh, you kind of like it, it's. Yeah, it's kind of surprising how many people have had the, have the role of playing the Joker or playing Batman right now. It's kind of like a. You look at things like the UK or Europe, like how many characters who played James Bond um, for America right now, it feels like we have that kind of role for Batman and Joker in many respects, where it's like, you know, like every decade you're going to see a new actor playing Batman and Joker and the question of who they are. And Mark Hamill has one of the most definitive performances of Joker, in my opinion. And of course, Mark Hamill also easily most well known for playing Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars series of movies. And uh, these are probably his two most iconic roles. Voicing the Joker, playing Luke Skywalker. Good for him. Next up, uh, uh, we have Arlene Sorkin playing Ms. Bambi. Um, Arlene Sorkin was also in the film Days of Our Lives in 1965. And that is going to finish up our casting. We had a few characters playing, but they were playing just um, miscellaneous voices throughout the film. So we're not going to read those in their credits. But that finishes out the credits for Batman Master of the Phantasm. Jimbo, what kind of cool trivia facts do you have? Well, before you get started, I think that there's something in this movie that's not often explored enough in the Batman universe, and that is the love interest of Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing that stood out when I watched this movie is that it actually goes deep into Bruce Wayne's past of 
uh, the love interest with um, what was her name? I can't think of her name. In the of movie. Andrea Beaumont. Yeah, mm-hmm. of Andrea. So let's go ahead and talk about a little bit about this. Uh, the dummy corporations O'Neill Funding Corps and Adams Tool and Die shown on Batman's computer screen are references to Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, respective writer and artist for Batman comics circa 1969. Mm-hmm. Also on the computer screen are the names Puckett and Peterson. This is a reference to Kelly Puckett and Scott D. Peterson, writer and editor of comic books based on the Batman the Animated Series animated uh, Batman the animated series animated series including the comics adaptations of both this movie and Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub Zero. Yeah, this movie is filled with loving tributes to right. all the you know creators and artists who. Uh, many of the Batman. items featured at the Gotham's World Fair were inspired from items featured at the famous 1939 New York World's Fair. The rocket and plane centerpiece echo New York's famous Trilon and. Parasphere exhibit. When the Joker shoots the robots in the World's Fair, the sound of them winding down is the sound of the Millennium Falcon winding down from Star Wars Episode Five and Empire Strikes Back, which also starred Mark Hamill. Oh, cool! Uh, the end credits song "I Never Even Told You" is a rare singing performance by Tia Carrera. Tia Carrera. Oh, yeah. right, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Famous if you remember in Wayne's World. Yep, Tia Carrera in Wayne's World, and she's in some other movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Despite the title, the Phantasm is never referred to by name in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, it would, well, Phantasm, you know, just no name for ghost, basically. Right. Like that, so it's not even real of a name, really. Uh, the opening theme contains an in-joke. The choral chanting consists of the names of orchestras uh, Lolita Ritmanis, Michael McCustian, and Peter Tomaszek, among others, sung backwards. <laughs> so they did a little... And joke there. Oh, Tia Carrera, also in True Lies in 1994. Oh, yeah. And uh, Lilo and Stitch in 2002. Cool. Really? Yeah. Who'd she play? I don't know. Well, <laughs> just, just snap back. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is the first comic book film nominated for an Annie Award for Best Animated Feature, losing to what, Kyle? Uh, what, who'd she lose to? I don't know. The I, Lion I, King. The li- oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Elton John. <laughs> um, it wasn't until Disney's Big Hero 6 that another was nominated and Sony Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that won one. And Spider-Verse deserved it. <laughs> yeah. The first film set in the DC animated universe. Oh, yeah. For the D- Yeah. Yeah. First, it's, it's it's weird to think. Like, like man, the DC animated universe. Like, like yeah, They're so good. It's, I yeah. wish they could take that energy and storytelling and put it to the big screen, but that, they're they just they just can't match Marvel. But I wanted so bad because I'm a DC fan. As as much as uh, I, gosh, I I I, I wouldn't want to put a, a my hand in that mess at all. But from everything I've heard, that does seem to be exactly what James Gunn' intention appears to be. To like, I'm gonna just take what the DCAU did and make it in the films that actually work now. Right, and uh, they're getting a lot of. A lot of Snyder fans are pushing back on that, I guess. Um, hey, Henry, Henry Cavill has always been my Superman. After I, Christopher Reeve, I think I, he was perfect. I, I want more great DC films in the future. That's, right. what, I, that's what I'll say. <laughs> uh, Dana Delaney's voice performance in this film impressed the filmmakers, leading to her casting as Lois Lane in Superman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana Delaney also delivers the line, He laughs, exactly as she did in Tombstone, the movie. Oh. Citizen Kane served as an influence for the flashbacks, a story about loss and the passage of time. Yeah, definitely a lot of those vibes in there. Just oh my God, what should we like old cinema has going on too in so many cool ways. Uh, from start um, to finish, production only took eight months, which is impressive. That is impressive. 
for, uh, for doing animated work, like it's it's not takes long. You know, it, like it's cheap, but it takes a long time. It's very tedious. And you Batman know. Begins, Bruce Wayne uses a similar ski mask outfit used in this film before using a bat suit. It is unknown if this is an, an homage by the filmmakers to. I kind of got the vibe from the um, the um, Christopher Nolan Batman Begins film. They're kind of paying a tribute to that as well, and a little bit of Mask of Phantasm right. as well. Yeah. A Blu-ray version of this film was not available until 24 years after its release. Yeah, I want to say the um, even the latest version was released like in 2018. Now I think there's that's like crazy. A, yeah. Uh, while the film was being written, Paul Dini, who was handling many of the Joker scenes, was attacked and beaten by two muggers on Lapeer Drive and had to undergo reconstructive surgery on his skull. He spent several months recuperating from the attack physically and emotionally. As a result, he almost backed out of the film and even considered giving up working on Batman altogether before he returned to work on the script. He later wrote a graphic novel on his experience recovering titled Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. Oh, jeez. That's 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 terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine like just like Batman, you know, hitting way too close to come right. if he had like a violent crime committed on you. Like uh, Mark that. Hamill went to a screening at a local theater during the film's theatrical release with only a few people in attendance. He asked them to sit with him before the film started <laughs> in true Mark Hamill fashion. Hey, come on, Daddy. I wonder if we did it in the Joker voice. That, that's what I imagine. Like how horrifying it would be to sit in the theater and you just hear Joker's real life and the real life laugh in the theater. Like, oh my God. Would you? What horrifying. would you do? If I had no idea Mark Hamill was in the audience and I just heard that laugh, I would be horrified. But what would you do if Mark Hamill said if, Kyle? If I walked into a theater and, and just saw and said, Mark hey, Hamill. Come sit with me. Would you go sit with me? I'd probably freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, so oh, yeah totally absolutely I do whatever uh, he, I, I, he wouldn't I, be paying attention to the movie like, I'm asked. sitting next to Luke Skywalker yeah <laughs> I would probably sit down and not make a noise and just pure shock like a statue and just like I'm sitting next to Mark Hamill right now what is happening in my life oh my god <laughs> just pure stone face and then Mark Hamill would feel very awkward the whole time like this kid's an idiot <laughs> <laughs> never mind kid go back to <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Robert Pattinson's favorite favorite Batman film He's right. <laughs> uh, the truck chase scene during Bruce's first vigilantism is a reference to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The trucks are the same design, and Bruce falls onto the truck's grill just as Indy did. Mm-hmm. And like well, Indiana Jones is also you know the tribute to those old films of the era, which this film was also the exact same tri- tribute to those right. films. This was so. Kevin Conroy's personal favorite Batman film, both of his own work and in general. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably the most original work that he had covering in the Batman film because, like, this film, like, Master Phantasm is like it doesn't evoke the same other comic books, kind of comic book movies he was doing at the time. He's like, everyone's like, oh, he fights Mr. Freeze, or he does, like, you know, they're kind of like, or the Killing Joke, where he does, like, another crazy story based off of an iconic comic book. This one feels unique to himself. Like, this is a Batman animated film, first and foremost, of itself. It stands alone. Uh, Reeves confesses to Batman that he sold uh, Beaumont out to the mob. This is the second time a character played by Hart Bachner sold out a fellow character having its ultimately backfiring on him. The first time was Die Hard, 1988, not a Christmas movie, when his character Ellis tries to sell a John McClane to the terrorist he failed efforts ultimately get him killed. Mm-hmm. Iconic scene as well. <laughs> Andrea, or Andrea took self-defense classes and could take Bruce Wayne on. Sharp eyes will notice the Phantasm does the same throw on Batman that she did on Bruce Wayne, which I noticed that too. So, spoiler alert, Andrea, Andrea is the Phantasm in this movie, yeah. as spoiled by the toy line. Yeah. Kyle? Well, spoiled by the toy line, yeah. What do you think sure. of Batman, Mask of the Phantasm? I think it's an incredible film. Uh, just to go back to that Andrea Bayman scene, like, it, it's, it's, like, it's no secret in the film. Like, of course it's Andrea. I think the, the core of the film is, like, is, is Bruce Wayne and Batman's willingness to admit it. Because it's so obvious from the start. 
Like Batman clearly knows, but he just can't possibly bring himself to admit to like I know it's the girl I love. You know, that, I think that's kind of the harsh point. And I feel like this is like probably the you know, gosh, I mean, there's so many debates about the depictions of Batman from different actors and who did it better, who did it worse. I think Kevin Conroy's performance and the the you know the roles he was given here um, go further than anyone else of actually treating Bruce Wayne and Batman as inseparable real characters with real emotions and real pathos to like their performance. And this film especially um, just sets of like you know like who is Batman as a person, um, what are his emotional needs, and how he needs to kind of address those kind of things. And like this is his you know being cursed you know I'm um, treating. His role as Batman has a burden from his, you know, promise to his family. He can't escape that guilt that it's his fault that his parents, you know, were killed um, in a really kind of a, a heart-wrenching way. And I feel like this film captures it so well. So this is one of the most definitive Batman movies um, ever made. I think, like, Batman the Animated Series is also, like, the definitive Batman Animated Series. Um, it'll probably be, the, like, the definitive depiction of Batman overall. Like, everyone else is, like, is, like... If you're playing a new Batman, you're like you're playing like Bruce Wayne in the anime, like Batman in the animated series, but something's different. You know that's when like it's the standard you compare to. It's like when you make an open world game and everyone says it's like GTA, but you know you're doing a Batman role. It's like Batman in the series, but you know, and that's what makes it different. So like I think um, this film is kind of like a nine out of ten. It's kind of it's perfect Batman. It's if you don't know anything else, if, if you want to understand who Batman is, you go watch the animated series. You go watch this film you know what Batman is, you know, and even outside of comic books, like this is just it. It's the easiest way to get up there in the mindset of that character. So um, this film is, you know, fantastic to me. I love it. Um, Jimbo, how do you feel about Batman? Yeah, it was, um, obviously this is back when uh, I was a little bit older, but I still used to watch this uh, sometimes before school. Sometimes it come on at 430 after school. Um, it's when you're a kid, that's all you craved is what like Batman, the 66 uh, TV show was one of my favorites growing up. Mm -hmm. So when something new came along and was Batman, then obviously I was excited about it. And it even introduced some new characters to the Batman universe that I had not known about. Um, uh, I love Batman, the animated series. I think this is a great movie uh, to tie in. The one thing I wish they wouldn't have done is I wish they wouldn't have tied the Joker into this movie. I wish it would have been more of the Phantasm than it was. Because it's yeah. kind of a Joker-centric movie uh, towards the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I get why they did it when you when you look at the story. Because I, I will say Joker was not needed for the story. I like no. that he was there, but he was not needed for the story. Right, Absolutely exactly. Right. Yeah. And technically, uh, at the end of this movie, you think the Joker's dead. Mm -hmm. uh, you thought they killed the Joker off in this movie. Mm -hmm. Which, later on, there's some other... Uh, things that came out like epilogue or something I think was the name of it that yeah. I saw I don't know if it was a story or a, an episode yeah. where she actually took Joker down to the sewers and she ended up basically beating him to the point of death and she decided that even killing the Joker is not going to bring back my father, basically, so he survived. Yeah. But yeah, and I would say, like, as much as I, like, I agree with you, I don't think he's needed for the story, but I do think Joker plays his role perfectly in this film of being. Uh, He's a, he's assaulted that he's not the main character almost in this, right. and that's almost his plot point is that like he's he's so annoyed that the phantasm has taken Batman's attention away from him that he right. has to re he has to go through he has to reintroduce himself basically like that and like well I got to go kill the phantasm then because I need Batman to be obsessed with me again right. in a way that is um, so true to his character and the constant need for validation and mean be um you know. Um, being to be Batman's adversary, his, his always his main adversary. You know, 
you know, Joker needs that in his life, and that being the plot point of his character in the movie makes perfect sense. So, right. although I agree, like, unneeded presence, but his his presence entirely makes sense for who his character is. Right. As far yeah. as an animated film, this was the first one that kicked off uh, DC's uh, animated films, which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably have to give this a strong nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, higher up there for uh, an animated cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people don't like animated cartoons, then probably skip out on this one. But if you're a Batman fan, definitely give this a shot. Um, it's 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 it, the story flows and it, the story is pretty deep. Yeah. Uh, because basically, uh, Andrea's dad is tied into the mob, who's tied into the Joker, who's tied into Batman. It's just it's all well connected. Yeah. And it keeps you guessing till the end. The yeah. only one that knew was Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> it oh, was from not the start. Batman. He knew what was going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. There you have it. That is our episode on The Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, stay tuned for next week when we I pick the movie. We will be doing the great 80s uh, comedy, Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, oh yeah, Adventures in Babysitting. That would be great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like that. We had good energy in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Hence, we recorded that right before this one mm-hmm. because Kyle didn't have his notes done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. It's, it's a really funny uh, – you'll find out why – what the uh, Chicago Bears jockstraps had for it. And how they originally in the script. <laughs> and how, yeah, and how Thor is in that movie too. So, yeah. uh, with that being said, I think this episode is coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. <laughs>